0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. For those of you guys who I may have not met yet, my name is Ricky. I'm on staff. I'm here as the youth pastor. If you have joined Grace in the last couple of years, and you've probably heard me preach, if you have joined Grace in the last couple of years, you've probably gotten like a million emails from me uh, over a period of time with that process of joining. Uh, so if, you ha- if we haven't met, my name is Ricky, and I count it a privilege to get to preach to you guys this morning our, our text from the book of Matthew. Uh, we've been in a series called a month in Matthew. Pastor Brad started this series back in January, and he did give us a disclaimer. He said it could be a month or more. So I didn't scribble it in underneath there, but uh, this has turned into a month or more in Matthew. But this is the last message uh, that we're going to have in Matthew for a while. Starting next week, Pastor Brad is going to launch us into a new series through the book of Isaiah. Where's Isaiah? The Barts aren't here, right? Every time, he didn't say it. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. Last few weeks, every time Pastor Brad says Isaiah, Isaiah, the Barts' son, he says, Isaiah. (laughs) So if he's in here and you guys hear that, it's going to be a fun series through Isaiah when he hears his name every week, many times. Um, so this is our last week in the Sermon on the Mount. And our text is going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And the Sermon on the Mount is about kingdom living. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount tells us uh, what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God and what our lives look at, uh, look like. And our text today specifically is going to talk about the roles that our lives play uh, in the kingdom of God. But before we look at the roles that our lives play, I think it's important for us to back up a bit and just be reminded of what characterizes the life of a follower of Jesus and we can see that by, if you're looking at your Bible, verses 13 through 16, you just bump up to the beginning of chapter 5, and you see 12 verses, and the heading is called the Beatitudes. And Pastor Brad taught on the Beatitudes a few weeks ago. I think it was January 7th. And if you were not here on January 7th, I encourage you to go to our website. You can, uh, you can look up the sermon. You can, you can listen to it. You can uh, download the script. You can read it. Some of you guys can read quicker than you can listen. You can do that. But I encourage you to go back to review Uh, the Beatitudes, about what characterizes the life of someone who is a part of the kingdom uh, of God. But in the Beatitudes, when we read the characteristics of a child of God, we read things like they are a poor people, people who are poor in spirit, that is. We'll read that they are a people who mourn the effects of sin in their world. When we read the Beatitudes, we read it's a people who hunger and thirst, but they hunger and thirst for righteousness, we read that those who are a part of the kingdom of God, they're characterized by being merciful. God gives us mercy. We just sung about how grateful I am of that. God doesn't want to single us out. doesn't want to stand us up. doesn't want to humiliate us. He wants to give us his mercy. And when we know that, then we too become a people who are merciful. We're peacemakers. We're pure in heart. These are things that describe a follower of Jesus, that describes their life. These are the characteristics. However, we read, I think it's verses like 10 through 12 right there, we read that not everyone likes this, though. Not everyone welcomes a follower of God, because when they read things like the Beatitudes, they see weakness, and they want to prey on weakness. Whenever they read the Beatitudes, they see, well, this is the kingdom, this is the kingdom message, this sounds like this must be a message of foolishness, it must be a foolish message kingdom. Not everyone wants to be a part of God's kingdom, but whenever Christians are persecuted because of the kingdom message, you know what? Christians end up being okay with that because we know that our, our king too was persecuted, so we don't expect any less, and then we know ultimately our reward awaits us in heaven. We don't get bothered by that. We don't stay there at least. I want you to know also about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it is a kingdom that is present in this world right now, but it is not a kingdom that's of this world. You see, the kingdom of God, it exists wherever God rules. So if God rules your heart and therefore he rules your life, then the kingdom of God exists right inside of you. You are a part of his kingdom. To become a part of God's kingdom. You have to know that you're inadequate you have to know that you're weak you have to know you're poor in spirit you have to mourn the effects of sin honestly you have to give up on yourselves that's what happens when you're poor in spirit that's what happens when you mourn the effects of sin in this world and then you end up joyfully submitting to the rule of God and it's a relief he doesn't cramp your style he doesn't, he doesn't beat you down into submission. It is we come cruising in on fumes. We're out of gas, nothing left, and God takes control, and he starts driving, and he rules, and man, we are so grateful that we are out from the mess that we've created. Amen. So what now? You may ask, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. What is? What do I do now? And that's where we start to look down from the Beatitudes to the next few verses, and we see that to be a part of To be a part of the kingdom of God is not to be taken and put in the basement in a cubicle all alone for the rest of our lives. No, God doesn't do that with his kingdom. He doesn't do that with his people. Remember, where God rules is his kingdom. And if he's ruling in your heart, he's ruling in your lives. And where are you living? You are living right here, right now. You're still in the world, though if you're a part of God's kingdom, you're no longer of the world. So why does God not just zap us up to heaven? Why why does he leave us in this world? Why doesn't he just take us, whenever we become a part of his kingdom, he just yanks us up and we're with him in heaven? Why does he not do that? God doesn't immediately zap us up to heaven when we become a part of his kingdom because those who are a part of God's kingdom bear witness to that kingdom with their lives on this earth with the roles God has given them of being salt and light as they live out the characteristics, the attitudes, the beatitudes that he gives in the Sermon on the Mount. We're to be salt and light in this world. So I want you to imagine sitting on that mountain, you're hearing Jesus talking, And Jesus is making his point here. He's saying, my followers bear witness to my kingdom with their lives by being salt and light to this world. And guys, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, then the same is true for you today right now. If you're a part of the kingdom, you're to bear witness to his kingdom with your life by being salt and light in this world. Right now, right here, where you live. So we're going to look at our text now, Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. And if you will, I'm going to ask you, as is our custom, just stand up. We're going to read the word together. And uh, out of respect for God's word, I'm going to pray for us. And then you can be seated after that. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Father, we ask that your word will be clear. We ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will illuminate the scriptures to our heart that will be ministered to through the power of your word that pierces, that discerns the intentions of our heart. Father, we ask that you'll do this for your glory and our good. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. So uh, if we haven't talked before, you may not know I'm from Alabama. You may have already guessed actually that I'm from Alabama by hearing me talk. Uh, I have a Roll Tide license plate that's now busted, so you wouldn't see that on my truck. That's not hanging there, my kids destroy everything I have, even my license plate on my truck. Uh, But I'm from Alabama, grew up there until I was 17 when I moved to the mountains. But before that, I graduated high school in a town called Pell City. It's where I grew up. and moved to Birmingham. And my brother and I I have a twin brother. We moved to Birmingham so he could be closer to where he was going to Bible college. Uh, College didn't work out for me, so I was just mowing greens. I was a greensman on a golf course. I was raking sand traps at 6.30 in the morning, mowing greens, uh, living the good life. And uh, I was really miserable, honestly, because I wanted to do anything but rake sand traps and mow greens in the morning. And I wanted to be in the ministry, honestly, and there wasn't any opportunities. We're not in any opportunities. As I said, college didn't work out, and I just was living. And I became a part of a college ministry, which made me even more sad because everybody's going to college, and I thought, man, this, this would be incredible if I could just do this. Um, you guys in college, you may say, oh, I wish I could just go work and make money. But um, it always, always looks better, doesn't it? Well, I was part of this college ministry, and these guys rolled into town in a school bus and they came to speak to our college ministry. And they told us about the ministry they were a part of or the ministry they had started that they were were doing. And they had taken this old school bus and they had like fixed it up to be pretty much like the ultimate mobile man cave. Uh, They had gutted it, they had put a kitchen in it, they put a couch, they put bunks, uh, bathroom, all kinds of stuff. And they had taken this bus and they had driven it down to Central America to the country of Belize. And they landed in a village called San Jose and they had a Bible school in this village. They'd been there for like two years, and then they ran out of supplies, they realized they needed more help, so they got the bus going again, they drove it up from Central America, came cruising back into Birmingham where they were from, and they were looking for supplies to pack into the bus to take back, and they were looking for a couple of guys uh, to come and serve and be interns. And I thought, well, this is my chance. I needed something to do. I have toyed with maybe the Lord's calling me into missions. And this was an opportunity for me to go and do something and to explore and see if maybe the Lord would be leading me uh, to be a missionary. After about five months, I determined uh, absolutely not. He was not leading me a missionary, so not to jump too far ahead. But uh, obviously. Um, so I told my parents, hey, um, I'm actually going to Central America, and I quit my job, and of course, they were thrilled, and, uh, and I landed on this bus, and we drove down through Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, all the way down through Mexico, through the northern part of Belize, to the southern part of Belize, and we landed in a village where they were set up 10 miles outside of Guatemala, in the jungle, and it was an incredible adventure. I'd love to tell you more about it sometime. But one thing I learned about those five months being in the jungle is I learned that life is very different from electricity. Uh, Very different without having electricity. Um, Down there, no power. So it made things just different. Took some getting used to. Now, if I could be honest, it took more getting used to, I think, when I came back, having electricity. That that was crazy. Um, But it took some getting used to. No electricity. And the same as in Jesus' day. All right? In Jesus' day, there's no electricity. So obviously, like, Whenever he's speaking here, there's some things that people understand we may not understand because for us, when we we just have a context of things that run off electricity. For example, even if you're looking for a refrigerator, there's tons of options these days. You can choose if you want your LED lighting packaging refrigerator. You may want speakers. I saw they have speakers in the refrigerator. I even saw that they have cameras in a refrigerator. So if you're at Aldi, right, you shop at Aldi, I hope, you're at Aldi and you're wondering what your stock is, you can just pull it up on your phone and you can look and see inside of your refrigerator. Tons of options on the refrigerators today almost makes it seem like you, you have to have an engineering degree to understand how to operate refrigerators of today. Well, in Belize, there were no refrigerators. So at the end of like a celebration, when families would have a celebration, they would, they would always cook a pig for a celebration, or maybe if they didn't have enough money, they would cook chicken. But typically, they would work it out to cook a pig. Well, after the celebration had happened, we had, we had eaten as much of the pig as we could, as we could handle. They didn't just box it up and, and throw it in the fridge for leftovers because there were no refrigerators no electricity so two different ways they could keep that meat uh, for some days and what they would do they would either continually cook it for a few days or like smoke it or they would take it and they would pack salt around it uh, to, to to preserve it so you might be asking what in the world does this have to do with a sermon on the mount a lot actually so let's look back down to verse 13 focus there and hear these words you are the salt of the earth But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So let me ask you, why did the Belizeans pack the meat with salt? To keep it from rotting. And whenever Jesus gave his sermon, I love it. What Jesus did is he took two of the most basic things that you would find in every house that everybody would understand. He took salt and he took light. Two things everyone could work with, they knew about, they had in their home. No, no needing a college degree to understand Jesus' teaching, even though you may need one to program your refrigerator today. Jesus took the ordinary, he took the simple, and he used that to explain incredible truth. Because of our culture today, Jesus' original listeners, they would have understood some implications of Jesus' teaching that we may not pick up on right away because we're used to having electricity. So I'm gonna give you four things to think about, four things about salt. First thing is this, first thing we know about salt is that it preserves. So what Jesus, when he's teaching here, he's implying that people would have understood that Jesus is implying that the world is dying. It's actually decaying, the world is rotting, and Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying you can be rubbed into the world you can actually help slow the decaying. You can slow the rotting. And he's saying, I want you to be rubbed into the world so the world can be made aware of the preservation that's offered in Jesus of what he can do. He wants us to know we can have an effect to slow down the spiritual dying that's happening, the spiritual rotting that's happening in our world today. See, what salt does, it takes what's already good. Remember what, what God said after he created? It's good. It's good. Salt has this thing where it can, this effect, where it takes what's already good and it helps keep it wholesome. Jesus is saying, you're salt. My people help preserve. Second thing I want you to know about salt is that salt cleanses. Salt acts as an antiseptic. Have you guys ever been walking on the beach before, holding your wife's hand, of course, and you step on a seashell? What do you what do? It's you do? like bleeding and oh, you cry. And then after that, you run and you put your, put your foot in the, in the ocean, Right. You put your foot in the ocean because the ocean is like a salt water. It's like a type of antiseptic Antiseptic salt water is, and it helps cleanse. It helps heal your foot. Guys, does your presence bring cleansing to this world? Does your presence bring healing and cleansing to the situations you're a part of? Let me ask you this. If you were, for example, if you were to walk up uh, to a conversation at work or at school in the neighborhood, whatever, if you were to walk up and you know the conversation is not glorifying to the Lord, do they, do they quickly change the conversation? If so, then I think that's a part of cleansing. That's a part of healing. If anything, it's cleansing the conversation, not because of your self-righteousness, but because you walking up to that conversation reminds them how inappropriate this topic is, because they know the things you talk about has been impacted by Jesus. And therefore we see you're bringing cleansing not to that conversation, but they don't even realize that you're bringing it to them, that they're realizing this is inappropriate. So how Jesus impacts your conversation, it ends up impacting other people's conversations as well. Salt brings cleansing. The third thing is salt flavors. I love salt. It makes a big difference. Christians, we are the flavor that the world needs. Guys, if you were to look back to the Beatitudes, the beginning of chapter 5 right there, and you were to read these Beatitudes to a non-believer, they would not understand. Weakness. Foolishness, persecution, accusation, it's okay. They they wouldn't understand. But whenever Christians read this, because we're salt, we just have a different outlook. We have a different flavor in life. And you know what? It makes things more enjoyable. Christians ought to make life more enjoyable because we have a flavor that the world needs. Therefore, guys, we should be the best students. Like, we should be the best employees. Like, we ought to be the best customers. They ought to to know, hey, they're coming from church, I want that table. We ought to be the most dependable friends that they know they can count on. Guys, Christians, we we ought to be creating beautiful art. We ought to be composing excellent music, writing the most redeeming stories. Because we have Christ, we have a flavor in us that makes things more enjoyable. And if we are who we are, who God says we are, if we're salt, then people should want the flavor that we have. The fourth thing I want you to know about salt is that it causes thirst. All right, have you guys ever been to a theater before and you got to have popcorn, you walk in, you smell it, you're like, ah, wasn't we like committed? We already shoved our purse full of candy. You know you do it. And like, we weren't going to buy, we weren't going to buy popcorn. And you, and you walk in and you smell it, but you, you're trying to decide what's the um, maybe not the most ethical because you've already shoved your purse full of candy, but what's the most uh, fiscal, whatever, decision you can make? And you realize, okay, I, can, I only have enough money to spend on one thing, and you choose popcorn. I want to buy the large popcorn. I'm just going to tough it out. I can go without the Coke. Well, after a few bites of popcorn, the butter we love, but also the salt we love, we realize I've got to have a Coke. So you go and you spend 20 more dollars to get, your, to get your Coke. The movie ends up costing a ton. I know how it goes. Guys, whenever people met Jesus, you know what they did? They ended up thirsting for God. His salt makes you thirsty. Now, I know you and I aren't Jesus, but Jesus makes it clear that we are the salt of the earth. So Jesus is saying, people, when you're around them, they ought to want what it is that you have. They ought to thirst for who it is you have. You can tell them it's Jesus. So guys, listen, I I want you to know, though, that the Christian life, let's be reminded here, the whole point of this, the Christian life is not lived separate from the world. That's why God saves us. He rules our heart, and we continue existing in this world. Of all people, Jesus existed in this world, though he was not of this world. And y'all, the world is sick, it's dying, and we have the cure. We have Jesus Just as salt is rubbed into meat and it preserves, Jesus says his church is here to be rubbed into the world so that they may know the preservation, they may know the cleansing, they may know the healing and the satisfaction that only Jesus can bring. We are the salt of the earth. Are you, though? Are you being the salt of the earth? Are you being used by God to bring cleansing to the people around you? spiritual healing to the people around you? Are you being used by God to bring healing to the situations you're in? Are you being used by God so that people want the flavor that you have? They want Jesus. Are you seeing people come to Christ because they are thirsting for what it is that you have? If you're a part of God's kingdom and you are to bear witness to this kingdom with your life by being salt. One of the things I loved whenever I was in Belize is that I had so many senses like come alive that I did not know existed. Um, all the smells of the of the rainforest down there was incredible. Uh, the foods were different, but one of the things I loved is whenever I would go to town, about once a month I would go to town. And to go to town, you had to wake up at four o'clock to catch the 4.30 bus. Uh, the bus l- began in our village to go to town because we were the village that was the farthest out. And these buses were worn slap out. It was always an adventure because it was honestly like riding a school bus on a trail. There would be, roads would be washed out. You just never knew what you were gonna run into. It was an adventure. But whenever I would walk out uh, and it would still be dark, I would immediately smell smoke, like good smoke, fires that were, that were being lit across the whole village as the, the ladies were getting up and they were starting the fire for the day to, to begin cooking uh, for, the, for the men who were gonna go off and work on their plantation. And the other thing you would notice when you walk out, you would start seeing lights popping up, what looked like throughout the sky. But they, they weren't lights in the sky. There were actually lights on the mountains. We were in the Maya mountains. And you would see that people had either lit a candle. These were like thatched roofed houses. So these village huts, they would light a candle or maybe a single lantern. And they were getting the fire going. They had their light lit. And you could see this all throughout what looked like the sky. It was beautiful. It gave perspective. Oh, that's where the mountains are. Okay, I know where I am. I'm going this way. This is where the bus begins. One thing I learned is that light cannot be hidden. I mean, it's it's no matter how how small it is, you can see these lights popping up throughout the mountain. Just as Jesus says, his disciples, his followers are salt, they have the role as being light as well. So let's look at verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. To put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, I told you four things about salt. I want to tell you two things about light. All right, the first thing about light is this light reveals the false reality of darkness. Have you ever been laying in bed at night and you can't go to sleep and you're just looking, your eyes are looking around and you see shadows and the more you sit there and you look and the quieter the house gets, you are convinced there's like a creepy clown face in your closet looking at you. You ever had that? And you're like, like, I'm going to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. You're going to get me. And you're like, I'm a grown up. I know this is not true, but still, (laughs) you're just convinced. This false reality, you're convincing yourself of laying there. So finally you get up, you got to do it. You flip on the light and it's... It's like a pair of pants, you know, hanging halfway off the off the hanger or something, so you yank them off on the floor (laughs) and mad and you go lay back in bed. Light reveals the false reality of darkness. Followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus are light. And they show that the darkness skews and covers up the truth. Light, it helps reveal what is reality. And our kingdom role of being light, what it does is it reveals to the world the darkness they are in and how it skews their reality. Second thing about light, light reveals the reality of God. Remember, whenever we're saved, whenever we become a part of God's kingdom, we're not zapped up into heaven, but he leaves us on earth because as a part of kingdom Kingdom people, we are left here for the kingdom role of being salt and light. And if you are a follower of Jesus, God wants you to shine. You know where he wants you to shine? Jesus wants you to shine to those you are with right now. You You may be in some miserable situations. You may not like where you are in school. You may not like the house you have. You may not like the job you have. You may not like the family you have. Honestly, but Jesus has saved you, made you a part of his kingdom for you to shine to those you are around right now as light not only do we make everyone others aware of the darkness uh, by our presence but they also see the light from our good works and they give glory to our father who is in heaven so guys just as salt has an effect on a dying earth the light also has an effect on a lost world and our kingdom of, of light our, our role of light in this kingdom what it does is it is it pushes back the dark, the darkness Jesus followers with their life, they push back the darkness so that people look and they see that the kingdom of God is illuminated and they see the way to get there, to become a part of it and to be saved. So if you're a part of the kingdom of God, then you are to bear witness to this kingdom with your life by being light. Now listen. I know, guys, honestly, I imagine with a group uh, this size, there are some of you in here, you may hear this talk about salt, you may hear this talk about light, and you just aren't so sure where you stand, honestly. You're like, I, I don't really know how bright I'm shining. Maybe even wonder if you're, if you're shining at all. Honestly, someone who is a secret disciple is about as no more use as someone who's lost his distinctiveness. Maybe you're if you're blending in too well with the darkness because you haven't, well, you're not spending time with the light. When I was at, at camp, I worked at a camp for, for years before coming here, we had this uh, glow in the dark football. I love this glow-in-the-dark football, but the thing is, every time I wanted to play with it or throw it with somebody, toss it with someone, I would go to get it because it was nighttime, glow-in-the-dark football, and it was always kept in the corner of this closet down in the gym where it was dark and creepy and it was in the bottom of the ball basket. So every time I would go get it, I would pull it out, run outside, the ball would not shine. <laughs> in order for the, the ball to shine, to glow in the dark, I needed to, to make plans to go get the ball and to put the ball in the light so it could be charged. Honestly, same as for Christians. To be light, you've got to be charged with the light. If you're to fulfill your kingdom role of being light, you must spend time with the light. Jesus says in John eight twelve, he says that he is the light. But then Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8, that we ourselves have become light. And then Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 4, he says that we're partakers of the divine nature. Y'all, this, this is a mystery, but one thing we can know for sure, if we are to be light then we must have the light. So what's the the goal of being light? Why are we being light again? We're being light to push back the darkness, revealing the kingdom of God. That's our kingdom role. The hope is that they look straight through us and they see this person is not ruling their own lives. They're being ruled by something else because their life makes no sense. How, how, How are they described? How do they live out these beatitudes and yet they're happy? It makes no sense. And they look through us and they see through the external to the internal of who it is that's controlling us that they see Jesus. And they say, I want who he has. Our roles in the kingdom is to be salt. It's to be light. Not so they see our good works, but so they see the good works, uh, so that they see the Father. And they give glory to the Father. And they say, wow, I give praise to him because he sent Jesus so that I can have eternity with him. But here's the deal though. Let me let me let me warn you guys about being salt and light though. Let me read to you John chapter 3 verse 19, and this is the judgment. That light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Y'all, no one, not everyone is gonna like who you are because what happens when you cut your, your foot on the beach with a seashell and you're running and you put your, water, your foot in the, in the water, what happens? It stings. Ah, oh, it stings, but you know you need to do it. What happens whenever you've been sleeping all night and your wife comes in or your mom or your husband, whatever, and they flip on the light? Ah, oh, it burns. Not everyone likes to be cleansed. Not everyone wants you to see what they're hiding in the darkness. Because the world naturally loves darkness. And some of you, you hear salt and light, and you're like, I'm not shining. I don't know if I'm having these effects in the world of being salt. And you're in the middle, and you're just miserable. Because the truth is, you're not completely all in as part of the kingdom of God because you love the world. You enjoy what you're hiding, but you don't fit it all in with the world because what well, you know about the kingdom of God and you know how you should be living. So you're not all in with the Christians because you're not all into the kingdom of God. You're not all into the world because you know you should, what you should be doing. And you're just in this limbo and you're in this miserable place and you feel like you don't belong anywhere and you feel rejected. I want you to imagine with me for a minute. If this is you, I want you to imagine sitting on that mountainside Jesus has come up, he's gone up, and he sat down, and he started teaching. You feel that, maybe you feel the wind come across your face, the smells, you're all in right there. And you hear Jesus teaching, and he's listing off these things, the beatitude, and he's saying, these characteristics describe those who are a part of my kingdom. And this starts to sound like a kingdom you've never heard of, because this is a kingdom where people are poor in spirit, they born this this is the people that are persecuted and you start thinking might might this be a kingdom for me but then you're reminded no because I never make the team I'm all I'm always I'm, I'm, I'm always rejected I'm, I mean gosh I'm never aggressive enough I'll, I get run over I'm I'm just too soft who am I to think I could be a part of a kingdom I, I can't be a part of this kingdom but then you hear Jesus talking And you hear that the poor in spirit, these people who are completely at the end of themselves, they know they'll never measure up. You hear that the kingdom of God belongs to those who confess to God, that God, if anything good's going to come out of my life, then you're going to have to be the one who does it because I am helpless. And you hear God saying his kingdom belongs to those who are abused. And you're putting together, man, it sounds like that God's kingdom is made up of those who are rejected by the world. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this is where I belong. My, my, I have a four year old son. His name's Olson. He's got red hair, poofy cheeks, and I love him. You'll see him afterwards running around. He comes up all the time chasing me, usually crying. He's chasing me. Somebody's taking something, somebody's aggravated, and we're a family of, we have five kids. So there's always things to work out. He comes up to me. He's, He's crying typically. Daddy, 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 daddy. And I look at him, daddy, I want you. I want you. And typically I'm doing something and he may even latch onto my leg. I want you, daddy. That's all he says. I want you. And man, it is my pleasure every time to pick him up and I take his cheeks and I push him against my face where I can feel him, squish him there. And I say, bud, you don't have to want me. I'm yours. I'm yours. Nothing's going to change that, but I'm yours. You don't have to want me. If you desire to be a part of the kingdom of God today, if you feel like you're the rejected by the world and you think, maybe this is something I can be a part of. I don't know if I have it in me. That qualifies you. <laughs> exactly. Maybe this is something I could be a part of. I want you to run after God. I want you to tell him you want him. And I promise you, it is his pleasure to turn around and to pick you up and he takes his heart and he presses it into yours and he says, I am yours. I am yours. You want me, it's me that you get. If you don't want to be disappointed, then you want Jesus and you want God because I tell you, it is Jesus you will get. There's no disappointments, there's no gimmicks, no tricks. He's yours. Forever. If it's God that you want. But you see, to enter the kingdom of God, to be a part of this kingdom, you got to remember who it is. What you're doing, you're submitting your heart, the rule of your heart. To be a part of the kingdom of God, you've got to be all in. Complete surrender to his rule, which makes the kingdom of God honestly offensive to many. Because they hear the requirements for the kingdom of God and they say, wait a second. You mean I'm not good enough to enter it? Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean I can't do enough to earn it? It's offensive. People think it's just flat out unfair. The kingdom of God sounds very unfair to me. I don't know if I trust his rule. But to enter the kingdom of God, guys, you've got to be poor enough in spirit to know I don't deserve it. Guys, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to mourn your sin so much that you, you admit you have no chance of earning it because you know how messed up you are. Not only what you do, you know what you think and what's in you. To enter the kingdom of God, you gotta be meek enough to where you just, you turn over rule to God. You trust God. Whatever he says, you're okay with. Guys, if you're being drawn into the kingdom of God today to become a part of the kingdom of God and to submit to his rule, then you will just be blown away grateful that Jesus has the audacity say that he wants to rule your life (laughs) really not you mean I can't rule it what's wrong with me I've done this you know what the cards I've been dealt just no you you'll rule my life blown away grateful so maybe you're here today and you haven't entered the kingdom of God maybe you haven't been to that to that place yet I want you to know the invitation's open I want you to know the invitation's open whether you're a child whether you're grown up, whether you're elderly, the invitation is open if you have not become a part of the kingdom of God. And you can pray right now in your heart, confessing to Him that you have no hope of being good enough to enter heaven. Right here, you can pray to God and you can thank Him for Jesus meeting all the requirements for you and His substitutionary life and death on the cross. You can thank God for his resurrection so that you too can now have new life. You can be ruled by King Jesus and you can have the new roles, a purpose in life to be salt and light. And if you do that right now, I want you to tell someone later today, someone who loves Jesus in your life. Maybe you say, I don't have anyone who loves Jesus in my life. I know there's going to be at least a couple of people who love Jesus in the welcome room in the foyer. You can tell in just a little bit. For those of you who are a part of the kingdom of God, and my prayer is, my speculation is you, most of you are. For those of you who are a part of the kingdom of God, let us not forget our kingdom roles of being salt and light. Guys, you are salt, so do not lose your tang. Guys, you are light, so do not conceal your light. Whether it be by fear, whether it be by laziness, whether it be by compromise to sin, do not conceal your light do not lose your tang we want them to see our good works not for our glory but for the glory of god because we know it's only by his mercy that we are who we are anyway we point to god so how do, you, how do you how do you do this though jesus says my people are salt and light we look back to the beatitudes and we remember our attitude of man we're dependent on the lord we are a humble people. We depend on God alone for our strength. Ask God for the grace that you need y'all to be salt whenever someone whenever someone rejects you. God, pray you give me the grace to be salt. Ask God to give you the mercy to be light whenever someone who's made life very difficult for you comes back and they try to apologize the best way they know how. Lord, help me to be light in the situation. So that through my response, through my good works, that they may give glory to God. Guys, the Lord doesn't call us to something. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a role and then just leave us on our own. But his, his closet is stocked full with all that we need for what he has called us to. Jesus would say later in chapter 7, ask, seek, knock. Literally, he's saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. We are a joyfully dependent people. God's love is for the world. And guys, if we ask God to help us love and serve the world that he cares for, then why is that? Why would he not answer that prayer? He will. If being salt and light is who God wants us to be, then he will give us all the supply that we need. So this is what I want you to do. As people of salt and light, I want you to tell someone I want you to tell someone that they too can be a part of this kingdom that your life reflects. I want you to tell them that they too can have new life, they can have a new nature. My word, they may, well, they will. They'll even find that they end up hating the darkness and they end up loving the light. The Lord completely flips us upside down. That we can have new life, we can have new purpose. Guys, Followers of Jesus, they have a new forever. Why wouldn't we tell somebody about that if we believe it? We do this because followers of Jesus are salt and light, because Jesus says you are these things. So as followers of Jesus, if you're a part of the kingdom, then you're to bear witness to this kingdom with your lives by being salt and light in the world. It's our kingdom roles. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the work that you do. We thank you that you save us because we come to the end of ourselves and we're dependent on you. But then, Lord, you work in us the power of your Holy Spirit. What a gift. So, Father, I pray that you'll help us what it, to know what it means to continually, joyfully submit to your rule in our lives every day, and to what you have called us to, to be salt and light in the world that you have put us in. For their good and for your glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Go in the knowledge of Christ, and may your week be in Him. Just thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, Go to graceccnc.org.